amen, all right, checking out this uh, woman, right, this is for ladies, I'm here for you. Okay, she's walking along this uh, beach one day, and she stumbles across this unusual old lamp. So what's she do, ladies? She cleans the thing. She starts rubbing on it, and guess what happened? Yeah, you've heard the story. A genie pops out, right? And so it's amazed, the woman, she, she goes, whoa, yeah. She goes, uh, am I going to get the usual three wishes? But the genie replied, nope, no way, no way. Due to inflation, constant downsizing, low wages in third world countries, and fierce global competition, I can only grant you one wish, so what's it going to be? Well, the woman, she's compassionate. She didn't even hesitate, Ruth. Listen, she said this. She says, I want peace in the Middle East. You see this map here? I want these countries to stop fighting each other right now. But the genies looked at the map and exclaimed, my, my goodness, lady, I mean, these countries have been at war for each other for, for centuries and centuries. I mean, I'm good. I, I'm good, but I'm not that good. I, I don't think I could even do that. You better make another wish. And so the woman, she thought for a minute there, and she said, well, all righty. I've never been able to find the right man. You know, one who's uh, considerate and, and fun and likes to cook and helps with the house cleaning and gets along with the family and doesn't watch sports all the time and he's faithful and, and that's what I wish for. And so the genie let out this long sign and said, all right, let me see that map. <laughs> Donna, why did I know that you were going to be speaking out on that one? <laughs> now, ladies, let's be honest. I mean, sometimes it is huge uh, uh, letdown to discover that there's no such thing as a perfect man, right? Okay. But that's right, flip it around, ladies, uh, believe it or not. Uh, there's no such thing as the perfect uh, woman either. And folks, if we're honest with each other, all of us, I think we'd have to agree that sometimes marriages can be full of these kind of letdowns, right? It just happens, right, okay? And apparently that's why one guy said this. He said, I love this. He says, yeah, I married Miss Wright. I married Miss Wright. I just didn't know her first name was always. You know what I'm saying? That happens. But seriously, folks, here's the point in our study. Is this the kind of relationship, constant friction, letdowns, all that stuff, is that the kind of relationship that God had in mind when he, he did it, you know, it's a gift, when he instituted marriage back in the Garden of Eden? No, absolutely not. Now, we need to acknowledge that, yes, Adam and Eve blew it in the Garden of Eden. And because they blew it in the Garden of Eden and sinned, that ruined it for the chances of having a perfect marriage. But here's the point. The good news, Christian, is that even though you and I may never have a perfect marriage, it doesn't mean that we have to resign ourselves to a life of personal pain and silent suffering. It just means it's going to take some time and it's going to take some work, okay? And uh, that's what the scripture has to say. Because contrary to uh, our society, this is a lie. Marriages are not made in heaven, folks. Where are marriages made? Where are they built? Right here on earth. That's why we're going to continue our study. That's right. A marriage built to last. Oz and Mikhail, how many weeks are you guys going on this week? You already lost count? Man, you really are married. But anyway, that's right. Let's continue on. But saying, hey, hey, I'm here to help you. That's why we've already seen, thanks to Oz Kyla, that's why I did that lead-in. Uh, we've already seen the first step in having that lasting marriage, John, was to uh, acknowledge that men and women are different, okay? Uh, the second step was to acknowledge that, hello, love is an action. Not a feeling, it's an action. But hey, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. The third step is we need to acknowledge the need for romance, right, Tom? That's right, romance. I'll just look this way. That's right. In the last two times we saw, if you were here, this is how important it is. This is the only topic, Lord willing, we're dealing with not once, not twice, three times. Uh, and that is the need for communication. So far, what we've seen, if we're going to avoid communication breakdown, because again, we are born for trouble, the scripture says, as surely as sparks fly upward from a fire. Okay, it's going to happen. Okay, and that is, you're going to have trouble, troubles in your marriage. That's okay. Listen, you just need to communicate with them. The problem is we don't do it the right way, so we go to communication breakdown. And we saw that if we're going to avoid communication breakdown, we've got to give each other some time. Okay, give each other some time. You also need to give each other some clarity. Okay, and, and then we saw also last time we said, if you recall, we need to give each other some ear. 
I know it sounds basic, but we're not really good listeners, okay? So we need to stop ignoring the person. Believe it or not, the fly on the wall is not as important. Or the TV, whatever it is, okay? Uh, number two, you got to stop denying your feelings. Maybe they're saying something you don't like to hear. Don't shut them off. No, you don't. Let them express how they feel. And then, of course, the last one is, believe it or not, guys, beware of fixing things too soon. Men, repeat after me. It's not about the nail. Go ahead. I mean, was that video, like, incredible? That was an eye-over. I mean, I love that guy. He was just sitting there. He just wanted to pop that baby out. And I was going, Yeah. Anyway, I was identifying with it. But anyway, that's right. Beware of fixing things too soon. Okay, but that's not all. The fourth practical way to avoid communication, one more week on this topic, is we got to give each other some R-E-S-P-E-C-T. I don't know how the rest of that song goes, but it's respect, okay? Give each other some respect when you're communicating, okay? But that's right. Don't take my word for it. Uh, let's listen to God's. I think he knows what's best. What do you guys think? Good answer. All right, Matthew chapter 7 is our opening text. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew, of course, was written by Matthew. You guys are waking up now. That's right. That's swamp chicken. It takes about a week to get out of your system. You know what I'm saying? You're getting there. But uh, Matthew chapter 7, and uh, we're going to take a look at Jesus, and he's going to say, listen, respecting each other is not something you should do once in a while. This is at the heart of the scripture, okay? And that's what he's going to say here. God is good, and because he's so good to us, and he longs to give good gifts to his children, then if we're appreciative of that, and if we're really his children, we should be doing the same thing. And that's the context here. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 12. Let's take a look at what Jesus shares. He says, now ask, and it's what? It'll be given to you. Seek, and you're going to what? You're going to find, knock, and the door will be opened to you. Why? Because for everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door is going to be open. Okay? You come to God, he's not going to shove you away. Okay? If it's a genuine deal. Now listen to what he says. He says, now which of you, listen, if he has a son, asked for, the son asked for bread, is going to give him a stone. Dad, can I have a peanut butter jelly sandwich? No, get out there and eat some gravel. How many of you guys have been tempted to say that? Yeah, grape nut cereal. That is gravel. Praise God. We're on the ball. But I digress. Let's continue on the context. Uh, let's say he's going to give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, he's going to give him a what? A snake, right? He says, now listen, here's the point. If you then, people, even though you're evil not perfect like God, know how to give good gifts to your own what? Kids, your children. How much more then will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So here's the bottom line. In how much? Everything. Do to others what you would have them do to you. Why? Because this sums up the law and the prophets, the scripture. Okay? If you, I, I can't remember everything in the scripture. I, I don't know what, what's it all about. What's the big message that God's, hey, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. That's really what it boils down to, right? You don't have to memorize 55,000 different things. The Bible says, folks, according to our text here, Jesus speaking, he declares that, hello, since God is a good and loving father and he longs to give good things to his own children, that you and I should what? We should do the same thing. We should long to do good things to other people, right? Or Jesus summarizes to treat others the way that we would want to be treated which in essence is with respect, right? Okay, now, here's the reason why in our context, because when it comes to communication, 
Listen to this. This is how important this aspect is. Even though, listen, we've done everything else. We've given that time that we need to communicate. We've provided that clarity. Assume maybe they really don't know what I'm talking about, even though it makes sense to me, and I need to be creative and explain it in a way that they're going to get it. Even though you provided clarity, even though even last time, you're given ear to communicate. You're not ignoring them. You're not shooting them down. You are really, truly listening to what they're saying. Listen, you can still blow it. If your behavior towards the other person, get all that right, you can still blow it if your behavior is outright disrespectful. I'm telling you folks, and I'm going to expose a couple different areas that we do that. Treating each other with respect during communication. We need to do it always. That's what Jesus said. But during communication is the Achilles heel if your communication is going to be effective, right? Why? I think it's common sense, folks, because there's nothing worse than finally getting around to spilling your guts on something that you're wondering, is, is this going to start another argument anyway? It's, a, it's kind of sensitive. We really should talk about this. It, it's, it, you finally get to that point and you're, you're in, investing your heart and then they treat you disrespectfully. And what happens is when that happens, folks, to us, that uh, our natural response is we shut down, change the topic, or we literally clam up. And what happens is you go right back down to communication breakdown. And guess what? Your problem didn't get fixed, which guess what? Means it didn't go away. And then you do it the next day. And then you do it the next day. And then the next day, the next thing you know, you got a mountain of problems. All because you, you did everything. You gave that time. You gave that clarity. You gave the ear. But just something as simple as being disrespectful during that time frame. Bang. Blew the whole opportunity. So I want to share with you three different things that I've learned that if you do it, it's not just disrespectful, but it'll ruin the whole process of effective communication to work through, not around, not over, not under, but through your problems, okay? And the first thing we need to do, this is, they're all kind of funny because we all do them. Man, is this, the first thing we do, get this guys, is you gotta stay away from absolute statements, okay? Absolute statements. This is one of the worst things you could ever do when you are trying to communicate with your spouse or whoever uh, is to use an absolute statement, okay? And let me give you a couple examples, okay? For instance, it could be something, something like this. You're trying to get your point across, but you throw out this zinger. You never listen to me. Yeah, and here comes the giggles. We do this, don't we? Now, see, the word never is an absolute. Never. Not even once. You never listen to me. You never care about my feelings. Or here's another absolute. You always get to do what you want always every single time is what it implies absolute or like or, or something like this you say well, you, oh listen you always be like your mother or father and if we're honest those absolute statements are fighting words aren't they they didn't help nothing they made it worse okay it's that's it's, it sounds goofy but we all do it okay and the reason why it messes things up is because listen it's not inviting communication it's not saying, yes, let me hear your opinion on that. Let us communicate this process. You used an absolute statement, and it comes across as an accusatory statement. Now listen, that's the last thing you want to do, because somebody in the scripture is always accusing, and you don't want to follow this person, uh, this entity, if you will, because uh, his name's Satan. He's the great accuser. This, this doesn't help anything. This is what the Bible says, Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 through 11. Uh, John says this, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. Uh, for the what? Accuser of our brothers who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. Obviously talking about Satan. Okay? But that's not how we communicate. It says, here's the good news though. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their 
testimony, Christian, and they did not love their lives so much as to shrink uh, from death, okay? The Bible says, folks, believe it or not, you got two different modes of communication here. One's from Satan, and one is how we overcome the lies of Satan and his evil attacks. The Bible says that Satan is one who's always out there accusing, okay? He throws out accusations, but as Christians, we're supposed to give a testimony. We're supposed to testify to the truth. Now, here's what's wild. We talked about this in our Wednesday night study. Did you know that the Greek word devil, the Greek word for devil is diabolos? Okay, and what it literally means is, listen, not just the guy with the pointy tail, red jumpsuit. Okay, it means this, one who riddles with accusation. That's an eye-opener. And that's what the Bible says he does. That's all he does. Pew, 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 pew. Accusation, accusation, accusation. Day and night, he's always doing that, okay? And how many guys would say that, hmm, communicating like the devil probably isn't going to help your marriage? <laughs> yeah, right? And that's, what he, that's what's happening, okay? Why? Because this accusatory tone is in the form of absolutes. You always, you never, riddle, 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 riddle. Okay, is disrespectful. And listen, it's not a matter of whether or not they're always true or absolutely true. They, there could be an element of truth to them. Okay, but listen, here's the funny game that we play. Pay attention. Because the statement isn't always true absolutely all the time. Here's what we do. We take it as disrespectful and we resort to defending ourselves. Let me give you an example. For instance, wise, if you've ever used the absolute statement to your husband, you, you never take out the trash, right? What do we do at that moment, typically? We, we, we defend ourselves. We, oh yeah? <laughs> really? Remember that time back in the mid-90s when you were hospitalized for five weeks? I took it out once, so mm, you can't say never, right? When a person uses an absolute statement, that's what we do. We go from, listen, discussion mode, bang, to defense mode. And then our supposed great communication went into a debate to prove as to why that's not always absolutely true. And then you're off on some goofball tangent, not even dealing with this subject, all because you threw out the accusatory thing. You never, you always. Stay away from that. Well, then what are you supposed to do? Because you've got to talk about the trash. I mean, it is 12 feet tall now, and there's critters from the neighborhood, little insects that have made a home and high, right? What, you got to do, well, okay, well, hey, listen, this is my point. Pay attention to what's coming out of your mouth. You still got to get the point across, but maybe you could use something like this in a non-accusatory tone. You could say something like this, hey, um, I feel like sometimes the trash, and, or you could say something like, uh, you know, so, sometimes, honey, it, it, it would appear to me that if the trash where, or here's one, uh, hey, honey, could it be true that possibly the trash is getting kind of high, bugs, right? Okay, now it might sound little, but, but there's a difference there. You're still communicating what's on your heart, but now you're doing it, listen, you're not doing it Satan's way. You're doing it in a non-accusing, non-threatening way that is actually respectful and it invites input. And it keeps you from playing the game of, oh yeah, well remember that one time? And you're off on a tangent. Isn't that the craziest thing? I remember the first time I came across this, it was about third year in marriage. And I'm going, why do we keep getting these goofball arguments, man? We're, then we're taking a tangent. Oh yeah, that one time you did this. Right? That wasn't even the original time. Why? And it's just, when this came, it's like, wow. All because we said, you always, you never. Absolute statements. As ridiculous as it is, folks, we all play it. That's why we were giggling. I got a couple more. 
But if we're going to avoid communication breakdown, stay away from absolutes. Put it in a way, could it be possibly, correct me if I'm wrong, but things like that nature, and it invites uh, input. Okay, the second thing we've got to stay away from, guys, we can do this, but ladies, you seem to do this a lot, but uh, is you need to stay away from mind reading. Okay? Now, man, how many guys wish that you did have some sort of a device you can figure out and Okay, and that can happen, okay. And, and sometimes it is hard to figure out what men and women mean because, you know, we're different. Remember we saw before, our brains aren't even wired the same, right? We, we don't even process information the same way, okay? And so sometimes, yeah, you gotta kind of read between the lines. You gotta do some detective work uh, to figure out what your spouse is really trying to communicate. And let me give you some examples. For instance, I've learned, I don't know about you guys, but when a woman says this to a man, uh, I don't know, uh, what do you wanna do? <laughs> what? What she really means is, I can't believe you don't have anything planned. <laughs> Got to read between the lines there. Or this is, this is off. When a wife says to her husband, hey, honey, how does this dress look on me? What she's really saying is, man, we haven't had a really good fight in a while. <laughs> you know, it's, it's what you got to read between the lines there. Okay, but guys, listen to this. When a man tells him, uh, his wife, when he tells his wife, I can't find it. What he really means, ladies, is it didn't fall into my outstretched hands and I am absolutely clueless. Right? Is right? Okay, you know where I'm going. I'll give you one more. Uh, when a man says to his wife, I've missed you. Tom, what he really means is, I can't find the sock drawer. The kids are hungry and we're out of toilet paper. Okay, it's really what's going on there. Okay, but anyway, as you guys can see, men or women, sometimes you need to listen. You need to read between the lines, right? Okay, I, I'm not against that. But it's one thing to read between the lines. It's another thing to expect your spouse to read their mind. Okay, to, to, to read your mind. The Bible says don't do this. That's not a good way to communicate. Okay, your spouse isn't God. Proverbs 15 verse two uh, says this, the tongue of the wise, what does that baby adorn? Knowledge, okay? But the mouth of the fool, what keeps coming out of that baby? Folly uh, is what it talks about there, okay? In other words, if you want to be a wise person, a wise spouse, making wise communication in your marriage, then you need to be sharing what with your mouth? What needs to be coming out of there? Knowledge. Right? Knowledge that you could use, practical knowledge. Not a bunch of folly trying to get your spouse to guess what you really mean in some secret language as if they really had omniscient powers. That's folly. Folly is the word there that literally means foolishness. In other words, it's foolish to think you're doing something wise in your communication by trying to get your spouse to read your mind. Instead, you need to gush forth something, all right? You need to adorn knowledge. You need to speak forth, straightforward, what in the world it is you want. Knowledge, like this guy shares. See if this seems familiar in our mode of communication. Took me two years of marriage to figure out my wife will never tell me to do anything around our home. She wants me to do something, she'll ask me a question. From the question, I'm supposed to stand there and figure out what it is she wants me to do. <laughs> Simple example, say I leave a pair of my underwear in the middle of the bedroom floor, which frosts my wife. It's her word, not mine. Someone will cut her off on the highway. Oh, that just frosts me. <laughs> If I'm not frosting her, I'm driving her up a wall. Kids will come in, where's mom? She's up the wall with frostbite, that's all I know. You won't believe what put her there, son. It was that pair of underwear in the middle of the bedroom floor. You were looking at the most powerful pair of underwear known to mankind. They not only defy gravity, but they can change temperatures. And they're mine. So I leave my drawers in the middle of the room, which, by the way, is not unusual, because when I was a single man, I learned how to walk out of my underwear on the way to the shower. You get to the end, you hop right out of them, baby. Right? 
and you leave them in the middle of the room for a good reason. You always have your underwear inventory at your fingertip. If there's eight on the floor, it must be four in the drawer. It's a good system. Worked for me for years. Then I got married and found out my system frosts my one. So I leave my drawers in the middle of the room. Would my wife come to me and say to me, pick those up? Three words. Pick those up. Did you say them? No. Because that would be simple, direct, and right to the point. And at that moment, I, her husband, would know exactly what she wants from me. I'd be able to process the information, make a rational decision as to whether or not I could deliver the request. At that moment, we would be communicating at the highest human level. The way God intended it. Through language. My wife will look at me, look at my underwear, and then ask me, Are those yours? Sure hope they are, otherwise i got a few questions of my own. What do you want? That's the only question a man has, isn't it, guys? That's it. What do you want? What do you want? Quit talking in code and tell me what you want. If I have to tell you what I want, then it doesn't mean a whole lot to me now, Doc. Many a night I've walked around my home with a coat hanger strapped to my skull. Boys are going, what are you doing, Dad? I'm trying to divine what your mother wants. I'm telling you there's a signal in this home somewhere. Now, does that sound familiar or what? All right, now guys, listen, believe it or not, there's some good news. Did you know that you don't have to have a coat uh, hanger around your head? to figure out what's going on there, okay? And ladies, let me tell you a little secret. I'm going to expose a little guy thing with you. Uh, trying to get your husband to read your mind, okay, is a one-way ticket to frustration land. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Hey, forget Disneyland. Go to frustration land. That's Okay, because here's the point, ladies. How many guys have learned this one yet? Because your husband can't read your mind, okay, and then you're going to get mad at him, and you're going to say something like, you better get with the program, buddy. But ladies, to be honest with you, we don't even know that there is one. Okay, half the time. We don't even know if there's a program. Okay, because we can't read your mind, okay? And listen, it doesn't mean that we're not paying attention. It doesn't mean that we don't care. Remember, as we've seen before, men and women, we speak a totally different language. Therefore, as men and women, because men, we can do it too. We, listen, here's the deal. Don't expect your spouse to read your mind. Just express what's on your mind. Adorn it with knowledge. Here's what it would like. Don't expect them to read your mind. Express what is on your mind. Don't take for granted that they should know because guess what? They might not know. And folks, I know this might sound pretty basic, but for some reason, this is what we do. We expect our spouse to have God-like attributes and somehow sovereignly know what's going on. He used the coat hanger. I don't think it still worked, you know, tempting to try, okay? But hello, your spouse is not God. Can anybody agree with that? Okay, and uh, maybe that's part of the problem. We think we are God, but here's the, here's the point. But since your spouse isn't God, never will be God, don't get mad at them for not being able to read my mind. Just express what's on your mind. Don't play this little secret language game. That's folly. That's what's gushing out. No, no. If you have a need, something, just say, could you pick up your underwear, right? <laughs> Adorn it with knowledge. Guys, we could do the same thing too, so it's not just lazy. Or as Jesus would say, gosh, how am I going to remember all these rules, Pastor Billy? I, I did this, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to stay away from that. Hey, treat each other the way that you would want to be treated. Do you like it when somebody uses absolute statements to you? Then don't do it to them. 
Do you like it when somebody expects you to be God, omnipresent, and what are they really saying? Then don't do it to them. Express what's on your mind. The third thing is this one. This is a whopper, man. This is, man, we blow this all the time. Wait till we, is to stay away from degrading behavior. Degrading behavior. One of the biggest ways, man, we are completely disrespectful uh, to each other, okay? Now, again, uh, outside the coat hanger issue, how many guys would say it would be awesome? Okay, we've all talked about this, or you heard people say, man, how come when you get married, it doesn't come with a manual? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, you've heard that, right? You have to learn things the hard way. Wouldn't it be awesome if somehow you, you got married, you automatically had this uh, uh, marriage translator, this, this, this person that follows you around every single time you were about to say or do something wrong, and they would, they would help you translate and get things right. Wouldn't that be awesome to have one of those? In fact, listen, maybe, maybe it would look something like this. See, see if this will enhance our marriages if we had one. Let's take a look. We need to talk. You've done something wrong. Okay. I'm toast. Now, I'm not upset. I'm upset. I'm just kind of surprised. I'm a ticking time bomb of volcanic fury. Because you forgot about yesterday? Because you are a moron of epic proportions. Yesterday. Yesterday. I'm toast. Yesterday was the 15th anniversary of our first official date. Oh, that's right, I remember. I have no memory of that. Do I need to get some flowers or something? No. Yes. Are you sure? Yes. No. Are you mad? No. Yes. You'll remember next year. I will. I won't. So how do you like the casserole? It's, uh, it, it's a new flavor. Tastes like the devil ate a skunk sandwich and vomited into my mouth. That's my mom's favorite recipe. I grew up on that. Might as well slap my mother in the face. Well, you know I would never do that. You know I think your mother's wonderful. Actually, I think your mother's a... All right, maybe we shouldn't get one of those marriage translators, but uh, I could get things. Anybody ever have to stick a fork in it? About ready to say something wrong. Okay, but seriously, folks, believe it or not, did you know there is a way? Here's the good news. No, no coat hanger. Uh, there is a way to translate what your spouse really is trying to say uh, without having somebody to follow you around all the time, okay? You don't need a marriage translator. What you need to do is pay attention to your spouse's behavior. That really is your translator device, okay? You don't need a marriage translator person. You need to pay attention to their behavior. Believe it or not, a person's behavior, yes, even your spouse, speaks volumes of what they're really communicating to you, okay? And, and, and again, here's, here's how you do it. It's in two different ways, two things you need to pay attention to, okay? Listen to this. You need to pay attention to your tone, okay? Your tone of voice is one of the ways that you could be extremely great with it, awesome communication, or you could be degrading with it. Okay, you got to stay away from a degrading tone of voice. And this is what the scripture says, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1 and 4 says this, a gentle answer, your tone of voice. What's that do? That turns away wrath. Okay, but a harsh word, yoo-hoo, yeah, that stirs up anger. You, you don't want to do that. A soothing tongue, that's a tree of life. But a perverse tongue, what's that do to you? That'll crush somebody's spirit, okay? The Bible says, folks, when we communicate with each other, we might have all the right words. Okay, but listen to this. We can still experience communication breakdown if we have the wrong tone of voice. Listen, this is what's wrong, guys. Listen, you, you, can, you can stay away from those absolutes. You, you can, you're not expecting them to read your mind. You're, you're just simply saying it. But if you say the right words, literally what you want to say, but if you have the wrong tone, bang, 
ruins the whole process. Is your tone harsh? Is it wrathful when you're speaking what you're speaking? Is it perverse? The Bible says that's a great way to stir up anger. That's not what you want, okay? That crushes the spirit. That doesn't bring life to your marriage or your communication, okay? It destroys the chances of having effective communication, okay? And one of the easiest ways that we do this, unfortunately, in, in our communication, usually because of the heightened feelings or intense, whatever, but it doesn't make it right, and that's the issue of yelling. Isn't that awesome? How many guys just love it when somebody just yells in your face? Yeah. Except for preachers. Preachers get away with it, you know, because they're passionate. Yeah, whatever, I digress. Okay. Uh, no, it's yelling, okay? Yelling, folks. Uh, I'm sure that none of us do that as Christians when we communicate. Right? Never. No, no. See, what we only have, we, we, we just have those vocally challenged discussions. Isn't that really what, it, or, or intense moments of fellowship? Is, is, no, you call it what you will. Yelling will get you nowhere. The Bible says a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. In other words, yelling is one of the fastest ways to make matters worse. Control yourself. You like being yelled at? Don't yell at another person. You like that mode of communication? Yeah, bring it on. Yell louder. Then don't do that to them. It's, it, 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 stirs, it doesn't help anything. You're saying the right words, but now you're yelling them. And it shuts the other person down. It stirs up anger. It's very disrespectful. Okay, but that's just one tone. We can mess it on different other tones. Another tone that we can mess it up on, and it's very degrading to the other person, shuts them down just like that, is with sarcasm, or what I call the old robot voice. Let me give you a couple examples. You're saying the right words, but you messed it up with your tone, not just yelling. You could say in an even tone correctly, oh yes, I love you. Or you could say the exact same word sarcastically, oh yeah, yeah, I love you. John, why, why, why are people getting upset? I, I said the right words. It's your tone. Gave it away. Or the old fake one like this. We might not be quite that uh, obtuse, but we say, yes, oh yeah, I love you. <laughs> What's the deal, man? I said the right, I said I love you. What are you getting mad about? Then? It's the old robot, clenched toothless. Hello? Okay, listen, I know none of us do that, but what's happening is you're saying the right words, but you're giving a double meaning. What the other person, like it, lump it, leave it or not, is getting from you is radically different. W one example of this is, is this researcher, he, he stated how he saw a sign, he saw this sign on a covenant in Southern California that read this. It said, absolutely no trespassing. Violators will be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Signed, the Sisters of Mercy. <laughs> Now, what's wrong with that sign? Why is it so humorous? Because it had the right words, but it, it was given a double meaning. Yeah, sisters of mercy is right. Okay, and here's the point, folks. As long as we resort to yelling, sarcasm, or the old robot voice and other ones, we are doing the exact same thing. Our words are saying one thing, but our tone is speaking volumes of what is really going on. But isn't that the game we play? I said the right words, but your tone is really saying something else. And it's degrading, it's disrespectful, and the other person just shuts down. You gotta stay away from that. The other one, the other, because they go hand in hand, okay? Uh, the second way we can display degrading behavior uh, is with our body language. 
Oh, boy, that messes it up too. And again, the Bible says you got to get that under control, man, if you're going to have effective communication. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 18 says this, a hot-tempered person. Woo-wee, what do they stir up? Not just anger, conflict. Yeah, how many guys love conflict in your marriage? Isn't that odd? No. Okay, a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but one who is patient, what does that do to the situation? That calms the quarrel. It calms the quarrel right now. The Bible says, folks, listen, not only getting your emotion, your tone of voice under control can help avoid creating conflict, but so does your body posture. And the reason why is because whether we realize or not, our body posture is a fantastic indicator of what our real emotions are. Okay, is what's going on there. And, and that's why we have to get them uh, under control, the tone, the body language, if things are going to calm down. Okay, and this is what uh, research is called nonverbals. Okay, your body language is what's called nonverbals, okay, and to communicate uh, a message. And believe it or not, it's not really that hard to figure out a person's nonverbals. For instance, man, if you come home one day and you find that the front door is locked and then you go around the back door and you find it locked too and you, start, you try crawling in through the bedroom window only to have your wife smack you on the head with a two-by-four, it's a good nonverbal, man, that something's wrong. Can you agree? Okay, that's, that's pretty obvious. Or, or maybe uh, uh, a good nonverbal would be when your wife, uh, you ask her one morning uh, if she would make you a hot meal for breakfast once in a while, and then she throws the cereal box at you, and she says, if you want a hot meal, mister, you better light your cornflakes on fire. You know what I'm saying? That, that, that maybe it's just me, Mickey. But I'm, as a guy, I'm picking up a signal, a nonverbal, that something's wrong there, right? The bunny thingy, the throwing. How many guys would say that there's something more going on than flaming cornflakes? Okay, it, it's a nonverbal, okay? Now, here's the point. When we communicate with each other, we might have the right words. We might have even pulled off that even tone without yelling sarcasm with robot voice. But I'm telling you, we can still blow it if we're disrespectful with our body language. You've got to calm that down too. Let me give you some classic examples. You got everything else right, but you sit there and you're looking straight at them and you do this. You're done, aren't you? Rolling the eyeballs, you're done. You're, you're, it's over, right? Or just, I'm not mad. And fold the arms. Maybe even tap the foot. I'm not mad. I'm not mad, right? Okay, and it's the same thing. You know, or put your hands on the hips. I'm fine, right? Now, has anybody besides, we actually, this is a debate in my house. Uh, hopefully, it's a fun debate. But has anybody noticed besides me, guys, when we put our hands on our hips, it's like this. Ladies, you do it backwards. Have you noticed that? You're, has anybody noticed that? Apparently, I need to continue on with my notes. But anyway, so is the body language there. You put your hand on your head. Or worse yet, when you, you, you ask your spouse if they're mad at us, then you go something like this. You say, uh, uh, oh, I'm not mad at you. But you say you, your nostrils are flaring or you give them the dreaded evil eye. I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you. <laughs> really? Oh, okay, I guess we're fine. <laughs> I'm telling you, folks, you put all this together. Listen, you might have the right tone, but your body language, rolling the eyes, flaring the nostrils, this, it gives it away. It's a double meaning, okay? Our words are saying one thing, but our body language is saying another. It's degrading. You like it when people roll their eyes at you? Don't do it to them, okay? You like it when they're flaring the nostrils? Then don't do it to them is what Jesus says. You might be thinking, well, this, is it really that big of a deal, Pastor Billy? I mean, this, this tone of voice, this body language, is it really that big of a deal? I mean, I, it, yes, it is. Listen to the math on this. this is, th when I first came across this, this blew my mind away. Did you know it's estimated that 55%, 55% of any given message we send to anybody 
is communicated non-verbally or just by our body language. 55%. You're, I don't care what your words are. 55% of what they got was just from watching how you, your body language. Now, couple that with another 38% of what we communicate to another person, okay, is communicated through our tone of voice. So listen to this, guys. That means, do the math, 93% of what we communicate to another person is simply just by the tone of voice and our body language. 93%. Which means of any given message, at any time, only 7% of what we're communicating is by the words we're saying. 93% of it, what they're really getting from us, tone of voice, body language. I'd say that's pretty important. In fact, I got a theory and it goes something like this. I'd say that that's probably why we experience communication breakdown 93% of the time. Because we don't pay attention to our tone and we don't calm down our body language. Wow. I can't remember all this. I can't this really how am I supposed to do it? Treat each other the way you'd want to be treated. Let me get it specific with our study. Communicate to each other the way you want to be communicated. It's that simple. Okay, and folks, this is the great news. Uh, if we would just do this, I don't care how dead your communication is, if we would do these things, then listen, your communication, bang, can spark right up, uh, at, at lickety split, no time at all. But again, we set ourselves up for another trap, and what we do is we do what we've been talking about. We minimize the importance of healthy communication. We act like it's no big deal. We think, okay, yeah, okay, I know I need to communicate better. Yeah, I always say, you never, you always, all right, you got me, all right, what do you do? Yeah, okay, so I yell a lot, and my body language is all over the place, you know, and I'm expecting them to walk around the house with that clothes hanger. Oh, yeah, okay, we, you got me, Pastor, that was kind of funny, I do that all the time, but you know what, it's really not that big of a deal, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, granted, it may not be the end of the world, but you might wake up one day, you keep that up, it's the end of your marriage. Like this researcher says, he puts this uh, uh, need for communication in an analogy like this. He says, uh, there was once this big, giant, mighty, massive redwood tree. Huge one. You guys ever been to the redwood forest? Huge, massive thing, right? You can't even get your arms around the thing. It's huge, 300 feet tall. It's awesome. At the top of this big, giant, old, mighty mountain was this huge, massive redwood tree. And it stood up high on that mountain year after year after year after year. Nothing could get to that thing. I mean, it survived every single hailstorm. Wouldn't, didn't even dawn. It survived all the heavy snowstorms. It survived all the storms, period. The lightning storms getting struck. It didn't matter. Nothing can bring that thing. It survived all the bitter cold and the temperature changes and all that. And then all of a sudden, one day, bang! That mighty massive tree came crashing down. Why? Because it was attacked by little tiny beetles. And he said, so it is with marriage. With all kidding aside, the last three studies we've done on communication, give us some ear, give us some time, give us some clarity, give us some respect. Now, okay, yeah, yeah, we're not really, really good at that, but I'm telling you, each time you minimize the importance of healthy communication, guess what you're doing, whether you see it or not right now? You're, you're saying, come on in, little worm. Start eating inside of our marriage. Yeah, I say, you always, you know, all right, all right, yeah. I expect them to read my mind. Yeah, okay, so my tone of voice isn't really that good. I'm, I'm really kind of disrespectful of my body. I'm rolling the eyes. Here goes another worm. And yeah, you're fine for now. But 
you keep inviting those little worms and you continue to minimize the importance of communication, bang, your once mighty marriage will come crashing to the ground. You, on purpose, allowed things that were destroying you from the inside out because you minimize it. It's that important. This is the only topic, Lord willing, that we're going to be dealing with three times. I didn't plan on that. That's just the way it worked out. I'm saying that God's trying to tell us that communication, healthy communication, is at the heart of a healthy marriage. Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today, that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die, and it's coming for each one of us, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done, what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so, out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law, or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law, to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one, says this, you shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay, the, the, another commandment says you shall not steal. Okay, uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission, that's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly, the Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder and you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart. You wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included, and that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven 
We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. For instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime. Uh, they, they cannot reverse it. The, the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel, and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. Now, they didn't earn it. Uh, they certainly don't deserve it. And there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime. Okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon for all of our sins, God is willing to allow us to get off a death row. He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to forgive you for sins? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now, wherever you are? Please, take God up on his amazing, loving offer. I'll let you down. Man will let you down. People will let you down. But God never will. He wants to adopt you into his forever family. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. It's amazing. Please, call upon Jesus now. Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. If there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Our number and information will come up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.